0: Elijah, I saw you the other night.
1: I saw you the other night.
0: Well, do you know why I saw you the other night?
1: Because I was in town, mother friend. Whoa! God, I, almost, I almost used up my one curse word. Your mom was glad I glad I covered for today. myself.
0: Um, in any case, welcome to the Cross Country Sports Podcast. I'm Thank no you. are Elijah. I'm
1: Elijah Zalonki.
0: Nice to nice to meet your acquaintance. And in any case. The reason why Elijah was in town, because I want to talk about this really quickly with you, was because the NFL honors happened on Thursday night and Elijah was a seat filler at the, what is it called? The YouTube theater in-, Let, in- Let's just,
1: let's just tell, let's just tell like it is. I went, I was there. I was at the NFL honors. Yeah, I was a seat filler. It is cool to say I'm a seat filler because that's, I mean, then people know that I got paid to be there which is kind of cool, but uh, yeah, no, I saw the NFL honors. It was great. Uh, very, you know, n- nothing really surprised me about any of the awards b- about any of the awards, uh, but you know, fist bump Dak Prescott, fist bump Calais Campbell uh, almost met Mike Evans, but apparently by the time, like I had turned away right when he was going to turn around to say what's up. But anyway, that doesn't matter. Not, not very interesting. Um, I said, Oh, it's coach old- uh, coach Lafleur came up to me and asked uh, if, if, if I, his seat was next to mine and I told him, no, it's on the other side. Uh, luckily, I was right, but I just didn't want to sit next to Coach Matt LaFleur because fuck the Packers. There, there goes my curse word. Damn oh,
0: it. okay. Well, you dropped it. But Okay, Darn. let me ask you. So Aaron Rodgers... I, I, his- I
1: knew that he wasn't supposed to sit there, but anyway, continue right. what you were saying. Aaron
0: Rodgers in his MVP speech, which, by the way, we're going to get to in a second because I've got our <laughs> preseason predictions for awards. Not all of them that we covered, but the ones, like... You're going to laugh when we, when I, when oh, I gonna, Oh God, did, that's going to be hilarious. I want to go through that really quickly. But when Aaron Rodgers mentioned that Matt LaFleur had, I think it was the most beautiful eyebrows, for like bushy eyebrows, right? Didn't he have yeah, like that? Like, it, 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 did you notice that when you were interacting with him?
1: No, I got to say, the first thing that came to mind when I met Coach LaFleur was not his eyebrows. It was, where do I know you from? <laughs> And then I realized, you know, I remembered, wait, that's uh, that's that, that, the Packers coach. He's got the easiest job in the world, by the way, and you're saying.
0: Well, in any case, Elijah, the NFL honors happened on Thursday night. You were there for it. You got to witness every single speech, every single funny moment. Keegan-Michael Key, I thought, did an amazing job hosting. Um, oh, yeah, he's very good. My, I think my favorite part of the awards show, and this kind of might be a hot take, but the part where Keegan is interacting with Barry Sanders and he's okay. shaking his hand and doesn't like let go, like that
1: was that was my favorite part. That that, that that was a good bit. That was a good bit. I was impressed with that. That was great. I, I think I'm on TV during that part. No, wait, maybe not that part, but uh, but uh, you definitely see me at some points. I looked very, I was very dashing.
0: Oh, I'm 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 sure you were. I mean, I saw you afterwards and you looked very handsome. So
1: well, thank in, you, Noah. Thank
0: in any case, um, the awards were handed out. Basically, the Oscars of NFL season. And um not a whole lot of surprises, I would say. I'd say everything was pretty much chalk or written up as to be. But I think the most notable the MVP award went to Aaron Rodgers, who of course, you know, led the Packers to a great regular season and then they flamed out. Somewhat deserved
1: up. it, somewhat deserved it.
0: Somewhat deserved it, yep. Um, for that, I voted for Tom or I had Tom Brady earlier in the season, or I guess preseason, and your MVP was Josh Allen. So I mean
1: I still think Josh Allen was definitely a very qualified candidate.
0: He was. You know, I I thought, I mean, especially in the playoffs, he was just fantastic. But so Unbeatable. That, that was that award. The coach of the year went to Mike Vrabel, who I think as the season went along, we were both like, Oh, okay, all right, cool. This
1: is really Yeah, once they lost Henry there. and still got the first seed, he deserved it.
0: Yeah, he absolutely deserved it. So your coach of the year was Ron Rivera, and mine was Sean McVeigh. So I don't think Ron was You were closer.
1: You were, was closer. You, you were um, closer.
0: Was was Rivera,
1: she- I mean, Rivera was I was way wait. I thought Rivera would be the guy this year. Was it this year? No way. No way.
0: I don't remember. But in any case, um, oh, I, 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 won I, I don't.
1: I don't. I I prefer to think that I wasn't that dumb because <laughs> Rivera should have won it probably last year, if any well, year, but this year. You wrote wrong Rivera no.
0: for this year. Yes. So Well, um, I, 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 I have the documentation right here. Um, Defensive player of the year was an interesting one. Uh, T.J. Watt, J.J.'s brother, who I guess we shouldn't refer to him like that anymore because he's basically become his own man. 22 and a half sacks, tying Michael Strahan's all-time single season record. And he had an
1: extra game, but yes. He
0: had, he had an extra game. Don't get me wrong. Yes, of course. That's obviously a big talking point on our podcast to this point. You had Chase Young as your defensive player of the year preseason. I had Darius Leonard.
1: Couldn't have, couldn't have seen an ACL coming. Yeah, so.
0: yeah. The Chase one, of course, was unfortunate. Um, I'm trying to think here. Comeback player of the year was another interesting one. I had Saquon Barkley. You had Saquon. You had a tie between Saquon and Julio Jones. It ended up going to Joe Burrow.
1: Yeah, I forgot quarterbacks are a thing. That's probably important. Well, I'm never picking a running back for anything ever.
0: Well. Running backs usually just end up flaming out at thirty, unless are Running backs,
1: running backs are like, they, they, they flame out at like twenty six now. It's they're not flame out, but like you know they 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 lose their like their their main value. But anyway, that's a whole other conversation.
0: Yeah, I, it, it's pretty insane, I would say. Um, the one thing that I wish that we would have done for um an award prediction was. Offensive Rookie of the Year, which went to the Bengals' Jamar Chase.
1: Oh, I definitely would have picked him.
0: I I probably would have ended. No, I I would have
1: picked – I probably would have picked a quarterback. I I, I I think I would have
0: picked – I'm pretty
1: sure I picked Zach Wilson.
0: Did you actually? Well, but you didn't –
1: Probably, but Zach Wilson can play. Like, I don't – you know, don't let one – don't let any of these quarterbacks' rookie season define them because they can all play.
0: Well, in any case, that – I, it was just fun going through that with you and oh yeah and, and you told me you enjoyed it and i'm so happy that i got to see you afterwards and we got to to talk about it which was really fun but oh yeah in any case the reason why we're here is because we have a big game coming up the super bowl super bowl 56 we do? Yeah, we do. oh
2: yeah that's right
0: we, we do yeah um the nfl honors is always right before super bowl in any case um the cool thing about the Super Bowl is that last year's show was awesome. We had the Ringers Kaylin Jones on it. And I'm so happy to say that this year we have the Ringers Kaylin Jones on our show. Hi Kaylin. Hey, What's
1: guys. good, Kaylin?
0: What's up? How are you guys doing? <laughs> Man, we're chilling. So let me let me just say first of all, it's really funny because Elijah and I have been going back and forth now for about 10 minutes and I'm actually in Kalen's apartment right now in Southern California. And so he's been kind of working his sources for, for a story that he's doing, which is, which is wild. But in any case, we have Kalen here, who is one of the more upcoming writers that we have in this industry. He just came out with an article about Joe Burrow's transition from Athens, Ohio, to this point. You got to talk to a couple of his former teammates, um what a, his his tight end and his wide receiver um oh, you read it wow I, of course, Appreciate I, that. Of course wow. I read it elijah it. elijah you need to read it if you have it
1: i will i'm finding it right now
0: oh okay cool so you can cite that but in any case you had a lot of super bowl prep to do kaylin mm-hmm. um with that article specifically what was the biggest takeaway that you had from it because i, I found it to be very interesting and not necessarily a perspective that we talk about with like Joe Cool, Like right. everybody wants to reference his Ohio state days, which he didn't really have many. Right. And then his transition yes. to LSU. Right. And you, you mentioned that you do a good job, mentioned that, but like the whole backstory of how he became Joe Burrow started when he was a sophomore and was named the starting quarterback of the Athens high school football team.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. Like it's very obvious that Joe's background like that, that that time and experience living in Athens really defined who he is as a human being. Because it's really interesting because listening to, I think it was Sam uh, time excuse me, the receiver, mm-hmm. who was talking about how, you know, it's a very un- underprivileged community to serve. Joe Burrow went out of his way to mention the community uh, after he won the Heisman Trophy with LSU in 2019. And so it's, obviously it means something to him Um, But it's really cool to see that the community, you know, has that takes pride in what he's doing in the same manner. And so with Joe, like you mentioned, like the cool factor is what we talk about a lot with him, how cool he is smoking cigars, all of them. But there's no real way to quantify, you know, intangibles, leadership, confidence, like the ability to instill belief in the people around you. So for me, like, I figured the only way to really quantify that is by talking to people who can comment and are qualified to say, like, yes, like, when he looked around, this is what happened. And the results speak for itself, because everywhere he's been, you know, outside of Ohio State, he's been a culture changer, like, everywhere he's been. And we've seen it very quickly right. with the Cincinnati Bengals and from everyone that I've talked to this week, you know, he's a driving force, the driving force really behind that culture becoming what it is.
1: You know, people like to talk about the it factor. And I never really knew what the it factor was until I saw Joe Burrow play and I heard people talk about him. And it really seems like, like you said, th- there's not much you could do to quantify it. It's just whatever it is, he's got it. Yep. And uh, I think that's evidence just based on how well he's played wherever he's gone. And, you know, he doesn't even put up the best numbers in the world. You know, uh, he his divisional playoffs were just okay statistically. And this last round, you know, he definitely had his mistakes, but just comes down to having that confidence that is so infectious, not just with your offense, but with the whole team. And I think that's something that uh, – definitely something that I've noticed, and based on me just skimming your article and, and what you just had to say, it seems like that's uh, kind of the way it is with Joe.
0: Yeah, definitely is. Definitely is. Yeah, I feel, I feel like one of the cool intangibles that well, – okay, I'm saying cool, but also <laughs> um A wild stat that I found from your article—I don't even know if you were kind of throwing it out there for that to be the case—but just like looking back on his track record, the last postseason game that he lost was the championship game in high school, like in in his senior year of high school. That's insane. Yeah. Like thinking about the run that he's gone on to get to this point. Obviously, the Bengals before this playoff run had not won a playoff game in 31 years, right? And now they have won three. Like they're literally in this position where. They, and I talked about this with you, Elijah, like they're the underdog in every single matchup. And yet, yep. Joe Burrow is a guy that comes in and says, let me just tear up the script. Let me just rewrite the narrative. And let me just forge my own path. Like, I
1: do uh, want to give, I want to give credit where it's due, which is still, I think the Bengals have done a very good job putting a team around him, yes. uh, starting with T. Higgins. Um, and, you know, then Jamar Chase, who came in this last draft. I think they've done a really and obviously Joe Mixon, who's been there for a very long time. I think they've done a really, really good job in general of building the offense. Uh, but you know, oftentimes it does come down to the quarterback, and the quarterback has not disappointed yet uh, at all. Uh, he's done quite the opposite.
0: Well, and it, it, I find it to be a very interesting matchup in the Super Bowl Fifty Six that we have tomorrow, and it's going to be Joe Burrow and a what I think to be a suspect Cincinnati offensive line taking on a Rams defensive line and basically a defensive front seven that can literally run home and pressure the quarterback at any given moment so if I'm looking at this matchup like I'm thinking about that I'm thinking about Jamar Chase against Jalen Ramsey and I'm thinking about how the offensive line that gave up nine sacks against the Titans is going to stifle Aaron I just don't know how that's going to be possible
2: Yeah, I don't know if it is. And I think with Aaron Donald, like, it's kind of inevitable he's going to have some type of impact on the game. I think the thing is, and it's funny, we're going back to the intangible portion of that. Like, you have to have a a player behind center who's going to be able to take those hits and be able to move on to the next play, get back up, you know, fight through it. And I know, again, it's very cliche and heroism, you know, kind of stuff. But that's, that's what it really comes down to. And when you look at the statistics, like Burrow, Stafford, and even when you stretch it back to the conference championship games like Garoppolo and um, Patrick Mahomes, yep. those were the four best quarterbacks in terms of EPA per play generated against pressure throughout the season. So they were the best against pressure this season in terms of best, statistically speaking. So Burrow definitely has shown and that regardless of what a defense is able to do, like we saw against Tennessee, nine sacks, still being able to come away with a win.
1: Yeah, that, that's crazy.
2: Yeah, it's, you know, exactly. Teams, it is. I'm pretty sure. Uh, to oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kaylin. Sorry. No, no, no. I was saying, like, it, it goes – it ties to, like, the entire culture. It, it speaks to the entire culture because it's not just Burrow. It's not just, you know, the weapons that they have offensively, Tyler Boyd, uh, Teague, and Shamar Chase, but also in terms of what they're able to do defensively. Like, that trust that Salon's so going mm-hmm. to do their job and they're a really good unit. We don't talk about that enough. Um, so long as they continue to do their job, Joe Burrow is going to be able to find a way as long as they're
1: in the game. You know, and they, they, paid, they, they paid a pretty good penny for that uh, defensive line, uh, with Trey Hendrickson and DJ Reader, uh, too. Um, you know, you got to get your pressure from the outside and you got to get pressure up the middle. That's yeah. the most important thing. And they have two guys who could definitely do that at a high level. Um, but yeah, uh, like you said, Noah, uh, you know, it's really about that, that Bengals defense or that, that, that Rams defensive front is historically good. I mean, Kyler Murray was an MVP candidate early this season, and the first round of the playoffs, they made him look like a third-string quarterback on a JV team, and obviously, no, that was kid, no <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean,
1: I guess he already does, right? Uh, but um, uh, low-hanging fruit. Uh, Sorry, but I, 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 I saw, um, uh, and then yeah, they made you saw what they did to Tom Brady. Like the Bucks were lucky to be in that game. You know, the Rams don't keep fumbling as much as they do, and that game might end up forty-one to ten. Um, and then, you know, in the last round, uh, like the the Niners have a really solid offense and, you know, like with, uh, that Garoppolo generally runs pretty well, uh, and towards the end of the game, Rams couldn't move the ball at all. So really my point is all kinds of quarterbacks, these, these Rams give them hell. And that's because while they have four starting defensive players who will end up in Canton, uh, I firmly believe, obviously Donald Von Miller will make it. I think Eric Weddle's a Hall of Famer, uh, and Jalen Ramsey most likely as well. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like this is the ultimate test for any offense, and I'd like to see if Joe Burrow's up for it because obviously nothing really scares him.
0: And I'm really glad, Elijah, that you mentioned Eric Weddle because I wanted to get that in on the podcast because this dude literally was picked up off the street because he was retired. and
1: You're just doing him a favor.
0: Yeah, and not only is Eric Weddle going to be – you know, the starting safety for the Rams in the Super Bowl, but he's also going to wear the green dot, which is what's considered the communicator of the defense. So he's going to basically have his cues in. He's going to basically be calling out all the defensive plays. And this is a guy who's what 13 months removed from being retired, um, basically just sitting on his couch. I I find that to be so interesting because I feel like it's taken him a little bit of time to get acclimated back into the system. Of course, the last time he was with the Rams, Raheem Morris, who's the current defensive coordinator, wasn't there. So he's had to face it. I mean, and I'm sure, you know, most coaches who are successful have gone in and said, hey, like, we have all this talent here. Let's not mess anything up. I'm just going to try to put my own flair into it. But at the same time, like, again, this is a guy who literally last year was sitting on his couch, (laughs)
2: like,
0: and, and, and now he's going to be an integral part of. The Rams plan to try and stop Joe Burrow, who's Oh
1: yeah, he made some plays a few weeks ago.
0: So I find that to be interesting. I don't know if you had any thoughts about
2: that. Oh Oh, no doubt. Um you know, like you said, it's incredible that, you know, just a few weeks ago, you know, he's talking about playing basketball, pick up uh five on five at you know at the parks and stuff like that, coaching his son's youth football team. And now, you know, he's like I said, the defensive play caller or relayer uh in the Super Bowl. That's a massive, massive job. And While, you know, relatively speaking, or I guess not not even relatively speaking, like it's taken him a few weeks to get back to full, you know, level, being able to play a full game. But for him to do it at this age, to be in the shape that he's in, to do it in a high-pressure situation, and then last, or excuse me, in the NFC Championship game, for him to play 100% of the snaps, to play against the run and fit up defensively the way that he did in that contest, um, it's nothing short of impressive so, yeah, you know, the job Eric Weddle has done, you know, individually has been very impressive. But I like giving a lot of credit to Raheem Morris because he was tasked with, you know, taking on Brandon Staley's system, which is completely different from the type of scheme that he ran in Atlanta last year. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, again, like you have Hall of Fame caliber players like Elijah was saying, but at the same time, you know, that doesn't always guarantee that you are successful with a unit. And so for him to maintain the success to be able to plug and play these players despite losses throughout the season. And now you have, you know, culminating with Eric what starting safety for them this weekend, you know, it's nothing but it's nothing short of impressive from the coaching staff, I think, and especially with Morris from the Rams this
0: year. Absolutely. I completely concur with that. And every everything that you just said is kind of like the nail on the head. Now, I I keep mentioning it when we talk about the Bengals because if you've gone into this season, I don't know. Oh, OK, you're a football savant. Elijah is also a football savant. So you guys could have definitely named some players, especially Trey Hendrickson, who's like, the, you know, the, 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 their key My signing coach. from the offseason. But besides him, I feel like Jesse Bates is the only player I would have known about because of his. Logan Wilson
1: product. from Wyoming, the linebacker, is a baller.
0: Yeah, he is. OK, He's gonna make a play. He's
1: going to yeah. make a play tomorrow.
0: Again, this is this is the football savantness of you guys both coming out of this. Yep, 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 yep. So obviously, I feel inferior to that. But mm. I mean, thinking about the offensive line or the defensive line for the Bengals, yeah. I mean, Elijah threw out some names. Sam Hubbard's another name who I feel like could make a huge impact in tomorrow's game. Like, oh, no doubt. Cincinnati's no front court is good, and people don't know the name Lou Anarumo, but they will tomorrow because he literally is so underrated in what he does and. I mean, you could probably break down the philosophy of, of what he goes through and how he's able to get his team ready to play. Yeah. But, I mean, nobody knew who this guy was two years ago. But now with Zach Taylor coming in and basically bringing in his own guys and putting his own spin on things, I, I think Lou Anarumo is the name that we need to look out for tomorrow.
2: Yeah, he definitely is. And we've seen it throughout the year, his willingness to be adaptive to whatever you know, opposing offense is playing, like they're playing. And I know that's very you know obvious when you go into a week, you're going to make a game plan wherever your opponent is. But the way that, it, you know, kind of manifests itself is that when you look at how Cincinnati lines up, it's always very multiple. For example, against the Tennessee Titans, they line up with a six one front where you have six defensive linemen down on the line of scrimmage and one linebacker and everybody's playing close to the line of scrimmage against uh, the, the Kansas City Chiefs last or excuse me, in the AFC championship game. They found a way to, you know, in the first half they were showing a lot more man. Second half, we're able to drop more people in coverage, only rush for three, so you're able to point yep. more zone coverage and keep Patrick Mahomes from having explosive plays. So yeah, didn't they, uh, was, they? They
1: had someone spy. In the second they half, did. they started to the spy, right? Yeah, yeah, they're smart.
2: Exactly. And it, it helps that they have the personnel. Elijah, you pointed out earlier, like the free agents that they were able to bring in. Mike Hilton has been exceptional. I think he's going to be a major part. Of the piece of the puzzle tomorrow, um, in terms of the apple's been good, Eli, that's what's say Eli Apple's been playing Chad Chido Chidobia who was a stud at Colorado when we were back in college, has yes, oh, yep, yep, right. yeah. been balling. Cowboys, right? Yep, yep. sorry, yep. with the Cowboys, right? Yep, hey, yeah, yep, So, I mean, and then even the defensive line, like I said, DJ Reader's playing out as well. Trey has had a really strong year. Um, BJ Hill, Mike Daniel, who they just called up from the practice squad, has been kind of iffy throughout the season in terms of injuries. Is going to play and will probably have an impact. Sam Hover, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. the Rams' the offensive line is pretty light. Also, I mean, when you look at the tackles, they're pretty solid there. I haven't seen it um, to Andrew Whitworth, but at the same time, the interior is a little bit light. So I'm curious to see if Cincinnati is able to pressure from the interior, get Matthew Stafford out of the pocket, try to make some plays out, you know, mm-hmm. outside of structure, and see how consistent he can do that without making mistakes. And we've seen Cincinnati, especially in coverage. Like you mentioned earlier, Jesse Bates, Ballhawk. Like they have a bunch of guys in coverage who are going to be able to put up a fight against this really talented Rams uh, wide receiver.
1: And the key for Cincinnati, I think, will be I think they're going to try to take Cooper Cup out of the game early, which is why I do think Obel Beckham, ah, English, Odell Beckham should have a pretty good game, mm-hmm. um, you know, just given the fact that a lot of attention is going to go to Cooper Cup. Triple Crown winning player, uh, n- not easy to stop. I read that he has. I read somewhere that I'm pretty sure he's double-covered 38% of the time.
0: And he still is able to make plays like that. Also, it's impressive, I feel like, with the three of us that we now have mentioned Cooper Cup. Like, that was the first time we've mentioned him, and we've been on this podcast here, I can tell you for exactly how long, for 30 minutes. We've been on this podcast for 30 minutes, and we have not mentioned Cooper Cup's name once until that very moment. So,
1: He is, you know, the second-best receiver Matt Stafford has ever had. Um, Calvin
0: Johnson's the first. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, and, They're both and, and he's remarkable, you know, uh, cup reminds me, he kind of like his route running reminds me a lot of Marvin Harrison way back in the day, um, just like with his, you know, his ins and outs and just how like, you don't know what route he's going to run until he's like, he's already a quarter of the way we done with it pretty much just like so many, so many steps ahead of the defense. And that's why, you know, I think he'll have a big game regardless of what Cincinnati's game plan is on defense. But, you know, like, uh, like Kalen was saying, um, you know, like they got all these guys in the secondary, um, who aren't necessarily, you know, like, like they don't have the name wreck that Jalen Ramsey does. Um, but Bates has become amazing first of all. And also, um, these guys are all, they just fit very, very well into what Zach Taylor has been trying to do. Uh, And as long as they're able to get pressure, the secondary, they do their job. So, um, Oh man, I'm just I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do.
0: It's amazing that if you look back, well, first of all, three years ago Zach Taylor was on Sean McVay's staff. People seem to forget that, but also if you're you (laughs) know a football savant like the people that I'm interacting with on this podcast, you obviously knew that. But in any case, like just thinking about the growth that Zach Taylor has had from literally getting chosen to be the Bengals head coach and people kind of scratching their heads like, oh, okay, like he's part of the McVay coaching tree and McVay had only became a head coach in 2017. We don't necessarily know um, how that's all going to work, but now it's kind of just, it's it's been perfect. And his relationship with Joe Burrow has been something that I feel like just should not go unnoticed. Like I I was watching his media availability yesterday Mm -hmm. and he was talking about how his team doesn't have any jitters. This team comes to work every single day. This team is treating tomorrow's Super Bowl, the biggest game in all of America for the entire calendar year, like any regular season game in October. Like, that's something that I took out of it as very important because if they can show... Oh, yeah, it's
1: them, business as usual for them.
0: If they can show that looseness on the field against the Rams in the Rams' house, like, they've got a great shot at winning the game tomorrow. I'm, I'm just saying, like, they, I think the line last i checked was rams minus four which yep and
1: that's 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 about right that's that's what what i'm thinking
0: and i mean it's it's i i I want to keep talking about what we're looking for first before we make predictions um unless you can't make predictions i'm not sure if you can Oh, i'm allowed to okay you're allowed to
2: okay great i did want to touch back on zach taylor yeah because he came from a lot of you know i don't claim to be a football yes you are people a lot of people in football media criticize Zach Taylor. and I'm, I'm part of that in terms of, you know, decision-making in-game and sometimes the game plans don't make sense. He likes to run the football a lot early, early downs. Is very stubborn in that aspect. But at the same time, you know, later in games, once he's out of, you know, the first 15, 25-play game script that an offensive coach usually has set for you know, squad going to a contest, then it's on Joe Burrow. And then you allow – Joe Burrow to basically run the office and operate the way that he needs to. You talked about the culture. I know it's very cliche and like coaches on say, yeah, they come to work and they bring their hard hat and do everything right. But it's, it's, there's something to be said for a coach that one allows a culture like that to manifest itself and bring in the right players to follow, you know, said leaders like Joe Burrow and, you know, everyone else from the locker room, but also allow, like as a, as a play call, he gets out of his, players' way and allows them. Thank you. <laughs> so I, I know it's not the prettiest gameplay. I know it's, it's, you know, a lot of it kind of counters what we as football media people determine to be good game plans, but the, it's worked. The formula has worked. Maybe it's the fine process, but the results have been good, and that's why they're super good.
1: One thing I will say about that is that I noticed last week uh, they stuck with the run. They weren't running the ball great early on in the game, but they stuck with it And eventually, I think that just kind of helps keep the uh, keep the Chiefs a little honest defensively. Um, You know, it's not like Joe Mixon had his greatest day running the ball. But the fact that he did get a good bit of carries kept the offense open, which is something that you like to see. So to what you're saying, yeah, Taylor doesn't always have the best game plans in the world. And he does make some head scratchers. But at the same time, um, I like that level of commitment to keeping the defense off balance. I think that's really important.
0: I remember you texting me during the AFC Championship game, Elijah, and you told me in the third quarter that the Bengals had to do away with the run, and yet they stuck with it and somehow won the game. So,
1: well, no, I think I think later on in the game they 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 didn't they weren't running as much, but because they had done it, the passing was still open, like they were still able to get play action. Um, Also, Burrow took off a lot, like a lot of it was Burrow just improvising. So, I I don't give I, I give. Taylor a lot more credit for what he did on defense last week for then offense. Cause offensively the, it, it seemed like a lot of what the Bengals were trying to do broke down. It was just like Joe Burrow was able to do Joe Burrow things. Whereas defensively uh, you could very clearly tell that they were making, like they made adjustments and um, you know, started chipping Kelsey more and uh, just like putting eight back in coverage. So Mahomes just couldn't run all over the pocket, um, even though he still did that, but um, you know, When you got to spy on him, it's a lot more helpful to keep him contained.
0: Well, and especially in that AFC Championship game, when you had the Chiefs' first three drives of the game end in sixty-five plus yard touchdowns, um, which obviously you can only go uphill from there if you're a defense. So it's one of those cliche things where the defense gave the offense enough chances to win the game for them. Oh yeah. I mean, I I don't know how other I could explain it because obviously it was a head scratcher from the start. I mean, they're only the second team in NFL history to come back down from that margin. And the only other one was the 2006 Colts against the Patriots.
1: You know, we're we're two very solid comebacks away. You know, if those two comebacks last week didn't happen, we're talking about a rematch of Super Bowl 54 right now. Right. Which means that these two teams that we have in the Super Bowl are very, very battle-tested, and that's a good thing.
0: It it is. And I I think one thing, and you touched on it before about how the Rams – interior offensive line is thin at the moment joseph no is out for the game um he's one of their key tackles um i know i mentioned i know i said that their interior is kind of great big.
1: name by the way no yeah yeah um, just great. like it's a compound word that you never expect <laughs> <laughs> right
0: i mean he's not gonna be able to bring the boom tomorrow unfortunately
1: but right. oh, he, he won't
0: be there tyler Hick- take notes
1: he- on the sideline <laughs>
0: Fair enough. Um, Tyler Higbee, their starting tight end, will also not be available. He was hurt in the early parts of the NFC Championship game. So that's a key loss for Matthew Stafford, who, by the way, I don't think we've mentioned Matthew Stafford's name until this point of the podcast, (laughs) um, ironically enough. But he won't be playing Tyler Higbee, that is. Mm -hmm. And then on – But, hey,
1: Kendall Blinton. Is that his name, Kendall Blinton? Kendall Kendall
0: Blinton, yeah.
1: Yeah. He's been awesome.
0: What a moment to catch your first career touchdown pass in the in the divisional round against the Buccaneers.
1: Um, oh, yeah, and that was a no-looker, by the way. I don't know if you saw the NFL Films camera, but you see Stafford was looking somewhere else when he threw it. It was great.
0: Oh, that's yeah. wild. That's I, I need to go back through that footage. I, I mean, I I have to do it for my job anyway, but there are times where I kind of just sign on and go through our sports library and look through the NFL Films footage. Um, by the way, my favorite shot that I've done in recent memory is um, Joe Burrow is throwing the football and you you see his uh jersey nameplate which is which shows his last name and then there's like fireworks in the background i don't know if you guys have seen that one but um, no i haven't
1: not yet but i want to
0: i think that's from the afc championship but um anyway going down a rabbit hole so those two guys will not play um for the rams but then they get back um sebastian joseph day who is a a key defensive lineman who hasn't played in a while I, i believe um and then there's one more name I'm forgetting who will not will, will suit up for the Rams. Um, or no, 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 sorry. I'm, I'm thinking Bengals CJ Uzama, who is on track to play. Right. Um, Zach
1: Taylor. That's huge. That. That, that, is, that is big for them. Absolutely. He's been, he's been really solid this season. And when you have a tight end, who, who's good like that, it, it takes a, a slight bit of pressure off the other weapons for Cincinnati. Um, because you know, CJ, CJ Uzama is able to win his matchups inside. Um, the Rams have to focus on that, should open up some one on one opportunities on the outside. So we'll see how that goes.
0: Wow. That's a really great explanation.
2: <laughs> no, it, it really is. Because, like, it's it, so long as there's omnibus occupying the middle of the field, I think it puts a lot of stress on someone like Troy Reader, yep. their starting linebacker. Sure. He's oh yeah had some up and downs throughout the year, hasn't been consistent, but he, he did play well in the FC Championship game. So I think that's improved. But you know, it's Uzama, Tyler Boyd, I think it's the other guy. Okay. Yeah. Yep.
1: In the really slot, good. no doubt.
0: Now, We've not been talking about Tyler Boyd Yeah,
2: I, I mean there, there's so many weapons on sure. you know, every there's so many star players and bolts. Fair enough. And so that's the thing. If Jamar Chase is one on one outside with you know Jalen Ramsey, we'll see, you know, T Higgins against, against and um, Tyler Boyd against Darius Williams, David Long on the opposite side. Ramsey will probably shows some help over the top. You know, it could open up things like Elijah said, Bird, Uzama over the middle. So we'll
1: see. And, and that's something that something – first of all, that I don't know why the, the Niners didn't do a lot more of uh, last week. I don't know why the Niners – because it seemed like it was working against Green Bay when they did some more of that spread stuff and they were trying to, you know, work the matchup game with Kittle over the middle, things like that. I don't know why they just didn't do that against the Rams at all and they just kept on doing their um, usual Shanahan stuff. Um, I don't know, I think that
2: – <laughs> what you say what you
1: say oh. okay, let me, i missed that what did you say I said Von miller and
2: aaron donald that's why oh yeah that that too yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: um yeah he, they, they tend to ruin things for offenses um but yeah i guess i'm just saying that it's um you know i i do look to see um uzama like if they're able to get that middle of the field open should have a good game
0: yeah and and you bring up a great point about troy reader who i feel like when i'm watching his film he's more of the guy that covers like all parts of the field. Whereas if you look at Vaughn Miller's obviously a pass rusher, Leonard Floyd's obviously a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. So you got to look for a guy like Troy Reader to cover all parts of the field when the, when Raheem Morris decides to bring more than four, yeah. like it's, it, it, it'll just be a key to see if the Bengals offensive line can stay afloat. And it could be a key to see if Joe Burrow can go through his reads, his progressions, and, find and Troy. And, and, yeah, and literally, because Troy Reader is going to be like
2: and, Well, that's the thing. So this is why, and I meant to
0: mention this with Eric
2: Weddle earlier. I think that's why it's so important that Weddle's taking over the green dot because now you're taking pressure off Troy Reader. Because before this game, the past hmm. few games, it had been Troy Reader who had been responsible for both, you know, relaying the calls and then trying to, you know, understand and figure out Tom Brady one week. And then Kyle Shanahan the next. Yeah. That's a lot for you know a third third year player. And I think he played really, really well last week against the run, but I think it's a lot less stress. And Eric Weddle actually mentioned this during his press release yesterday. It allows guys to just play freely. And you know, he'll be the one responsible for thinking. He'll be the one responsible for making changes and just at the line of scrimmage. Everyone else can just do their job and play free. I'm really curious to see, you know, if that helps for a rear outgoing in this matchup because there's going to be a lot of stress on it. every team so far has found a way to pick on him at different points throughout their contest. But I think and that's just kind
1: of, the, the, that's the, just kind of a function of being on such a good defense that if you're the weak link, you're going to get attacked, you know, uh, that's like uh, something I noticed when watching the Niners Packers replay is, you know, um, one of the, the Niners corners went down, I think it was Amber Thomas. Uh, yeah. And so they immediately, Josh Norman's in the game. And you're going to attack 34-year-old Josh Norman. Now, Norman stepped up. He made some good plays. But, um, you know, like once someone goes down or, um, you know, if there is any sign of weakness, these coaches know how to attack it and they will attack it. Uh, They'll make it a a big emphasis on the game plan, which is why I kind of want to talk a little bit about, like, these receiver matchups. To me, what it's feeling like is the number two receivers are both set up to have very big games. And the reason I say that is, you know, you got Jalen Ramsey over with, uh, you know, uh, Jamar Chase. Uh, T. Higgins was the one who had an awesome game. Like he had some huge, huge possession catches last week or two weeks ago against uh, Kansas City. Um, And I could just see a scenario where he is able to have his way with uh, a bit of the Rams secondary. That is if they're able to keep protection, uh, Cincinnati, of course. Um, And then Odell Beckham Jr. against uh, Eli Apple, someone who he knows pretty well. Um, and I, I'm, I, I think Apple's a decent player, you know, giants and saints fans hate him, but, uh, I think he's pretty solid. Uh, but then again, you know, if you, uh, you put someone like OBJ who not only knows him well, but you know, is a easily one of the best, easily, probably the best number two receiver in the game right now. He's top, you know, he's up there. Uh, I, I just see a scenario where he has a big game. So I'm looking for these number two receivers to really show out. I don't know about y'all, but.
0: You know, I'm I'm just so happy for OBJ because he oh, was yeah. literally brought in because Robert Woods uh, ended up tearing his ACL. Like that, those kind of corresponded what? with each other. Um, and obviously, looking back on it, obviously that's not how it ended up playing out. But uh, Woods ends up going down for the rest of the rest of the year. Which, by the way, if he was playing, like thinking about how he's on his hometown team in you know an arena that is fairly new but very close to where he you know grew up and he went to USC and all, all that jazz. That would have been a story for itself. But like OBJ was literally, as Eric Weddle was brought up off the street, OBJ was not given any sort of chances. And I think it all depends on, first of all, Von Miller is like his best friend, right? So like, they're very close to, to one another. It's all about who can fit in, you know, that kind of scenario. It didn't work out in Cleveland for Odell Beckham junior. I thought it would because he had Jarvis Landry, his former team at LSU, and obviously the culture there wasn't for him. Now he gets it really the help. culture
1: there isn't for anyone. To be fair,
0: I mean, hey, obviously I that's another topic that we can talk about. But I, I, I yeah. like this Browns franchise. Maybe not the ownership. I mean, obviously there's a lot going on there. But in any case, there's a lot. OBJ getting brought in, he. Didn't do much in his first game. I think they played the 49ers and got shellacked on Monday Night Football. That was his first, first contest. I think he only had one catch. And just from there, he's just been able to take off and showcase his 2014, 2015 OBJ self. And Well, the thing
1: is, see, I don't know if I agree with that, Noah. And let me explain. Because it seems to me like he, he isn't quite his 2014, 2015 self, but he has absolutely stepped up into the role of what he is which is a very solid possession receiver with great hands. Like he's been, and yeah, I don't think he'll ever be like that absolutely explosive playmaker who was just mossing people left and right. Uh, But he is, you know, like his hands haven't gone away at all. Uh, And that's evidence just in the way that he's just made some amazing plays throughout the playoffs, including that one catch when he got cheap shotted late, Um, you know, took a helmet to helmet, one of the biggest plays of the game. And it's just like, Like he's really stepped up, and while the flashy plays haven't been there, the consistency and the durability and just like being rock solid, that's been his game. And and that's honestly, I don't know if the Rams make the Super Bowl without it.
2: No, they don't. They don't. He's one. It's funny because like for the role that he had in Cleveland, he was expected to be ISO on the outside, actually go when explosive plays down the field. Yep. The Rams aren't relying on him to do that. They got someone in band Jefferson's able to do that. They're able to generate explosives through Cooper Cup on, even you know, dumping the ball off to him or him winning those choice routes. And so where Beckham, like you said, you like he's been killing it over the middle. I think he has like proven himself as, you know, being one of the, sad, still being one of the savier receivers. Mm-hmm. In the NFL. And it, like you said, it's been about his, his consistency and the buy and, you know, while we can talk about you know the, the Browns organization and what happened there, I know he expressed regret over how you know things kind of ended over there. But when you're working somewhere where you're happy mm-hmm. and you know the environment and you feel valued, like you're going to do better work. And I think that's what we've seen with OBJ to this point. It might not be 2014 level, but
0: still very very good for what the Rams needed. That's that's we'll fair. probably dramaticizing
1: it a little. No, bit. No, no, you're not. You're not like, it's not <laughs> yeah. dramatic, and yeah, it's also no. like. production wise production wise yeah obviously he's he's definitely (laughs) producing at the same level it's just like it's more like a different like it's just like i feel like his game has changed and it's changed for the better like he has um gone from a dysfunctional team where he was the star to um a functional team where he could take more of a backseat and still win and still come up big when called upon
0: yeah like he doesn't have to be the number one guy i mean he was the number one guy in new york they wanted him to be the number one guy in cleveland even though Jarvis Landry was there and basically, you know, established. But now he gets to watch Cooper Cup do his greatness. He gets to learn from the best wide receiver in football right now. He gets to learn from Sean McVay, who's arguably the best offensive play caller that we have right now, although Kyle Shanahan probably might want to work with that. But in any case, just the fact that OBJ has gotten here through everything that he's gone through, his hardships, like... Good for him, and I, oh, yeah. I truly hope that his storybook ending comes to fruition tomorrow. That might—I'm not giving away my prediction here. Oh no, I know. I think yeah. I
1: think I'm leaning. I think I want the Rams to win too. Like rooting interest wise, I'm kind of on the fence because I love to see Cincy get there first. But like, it just these Rams—they're just a little older, and it feels more like I'd be happier if they got theirs out of the way now because you know the Bengals will be back.
0: Oh, I mean for sure. They—they're just. They're the team that we had no idea was going to be like this because Joe Burrow is in year two. Like nobody saw this coming. (laughs) Like, well, Kalen, did
1: you see it coming at all? Like, I'm just curious. I haven't. Like, I don't know what your predictions looked like earlier this year. Did you make make predictions?
2: Yeah, I I made predictions, but I didn't have Bengals. I I thought, you know, it would take, especially for Joe Burrow coming off the torn ACL, MCL, and they're off the line was in champions. and I didn't know how good Jamar Chase would be. I don't think anyone predicted how good he would be this season. So I I like the investments that they made defensively. I thought they would be a much better unit. Um, I tried to help out a little bit with giving them a little bit more credit earlier in the year, but Right, no, right. I mean, it, I think it would have been crazy to say, like, before the season, like, oh, yeah, the Bengals are going to make the Super Bowl. I picked the Rams, but I did not. Hey,
1: Sam.
0: Oh, I should also pick the Rams. He, he picked the Rams no. to face the Bills. Uh,
1: uh, you, you just, yeah, yeah the thing is, when you think about it, I was a coin – I might have been a coin flip away from getting – from nailing both teams, yeah, but – but uh, next season, next season, Allen will call tails. And that's true. Yeah.
0: Uh, also, that was a funny joke in NFL Honors when when uh, Josh Allen made that reference about that, that was that was a the good bit. Even, yeah. like that. that. was great. Um, okay, gentlemen, mm-hmm. let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, make our predictions right now. Um, Elijah, let's start with you since you're you know not in the same room as us, unfortunately. Um,
1: <laughs> fine. That's a, That's so a fair. Are, are, you, are you picking the
0: Rams to win this, or are you picking you picking Cincinnati to get its first
1: Super Bowl? That's a good question. Um, you know, first of all, I want to say that uh, for the first time in a long time, I really – well, I guess Super Bowl 54, I wasn't very staunch either way, but I really don't know who to root for. I really love both teams. I think Cincinnati's deserved a Super Bowl ever since I was young, and I used to watch all those NFL films highlights and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, when I first learned about Super Bowl Twenty Three, where they got so close, I just wanted them to win it. Uh, however – it would be so cool to see L.A. get it done, especially, you know, Matt Stafford. Uh, we got two former SEC quarterbacks who were drafted first overall and who wear the number nine and got drafted by cat teams going at it in the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool to see. And I, and I think they both are deserving. However, I think that, you know, like as a L.A. person, like someone who lives in L.A. most of the time um, and who, you know – like, and who has seen Matt Stafford play at least twice a year for the past however long? Like, I can't help but root for Matt Stafford. And I think that the Rams will ultimately prevail because of just all their experience, everything that they have going for them, and mainly that pass rush. I mean, Aaron Donald is still the absolute game wrecker. Uh, however, I do think it's going to be a very, very good game. And I think Cincinnati will definitely be alive throughout um but i do think at the end of it uh the rams will pull away uh, i'm taking los angeles 32 to 26 in a scorer super bowl
0: oh i didn't realize that was scorer well,
1: yep oh, just, i am picking I'm that fan, score partially yeah. i am picking that partially because it is scorer but also i think it's a very likely score to happen i do think that like so there's a good chance we'll see, like, a safety or a two-point conversion, uh, just given the nature of the Super Bowl and just the way these two teams are. So, yeah, I'm going to take – I'm taking the Rams to win by six.
0: Okay. Um, before before we get to Kalen's pick, Elijah, who's your Super Bowl MVP? Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford. Okay. Yep. No hesitation. All right, Kalen, you have the floor. Who yeah. wins and why? And uh, who's your Super Bowl MVP?
2: Yeah, I've been picking the Rams all week, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to – I'm picking the Bengals, man. Whoa! No,
1: okay, okay, let's – I like it.
2: And as for why, I mean, I just feel like what they're able to do in terms of being multiple on defense. And I think they're going to be able to get staff to commit a few turnovers. So they're going to be able to generate enough pressure from the interior to affect them enough. And, you know, I don't know if the offense will look that great for Cincinnati, but like we were talking about earlier, as long as that defense can keep them in the game, I think the Bengals can you know, come through, especially Joe Burrow when it counts. So, um I don't know what my score prediction would be. Probably be, I'll take like 27-24 Cincinnati. Okay. Um, and Joe Burrow would
1: be my MVP. Okay. Wow. You know, I will say about that, um, something I've been saying on the show all year is you could take Matt Stafford out of the Lions, but you can't take the Lions out of Matt Stafford, meaning <laughs> he's going to make mistakes. Uh, and that's kind first. of something he does. Yeah. It's just like he has more of a budget for it now that he's with such a good team. But, yeah, no, I think that what you said is key. Like if the Bengals do want to win this game, they're able to get some pressure on Stafford early and, you know, cause him turnovers. That would be huge because uh, right now I think the Rams are going to be aggressive um, because if they could jump out to an early, you know, 10, 14 point lead uh, and just kind of make the Bengals more one dimensional, that's huge for them. So, yeah, especially early on, if they can get some turnovers, that'd be big. Um, but yeah, we'll see.
0: OK, so, so the key for both these teams, the Rams cannot play single high safety against Joe Burrow. That's number one. If they do that, Joe Burrow is going to torch them. On the other hand, the Bengals cannot bring the bullets because Matthew Stafford is one of the best quarterbacks under duress. We've seen that throughout these playoffs. His mistakes that he's made when he's thrown have been when he's had time. He's overthought it. He's shanahan his throws. Like, just thinking about it. So with that all being said, okay, and the one other thing too is both you guys really talked me into the fact that and I don't know if this is a hot take, but the Bengals secondary is better than the Wings. That's my hot take. Oh, that is a hot take. That, and that, and that is a hot take. Collectively. Collectively. Collectively, right. collectively,
1: collectively. That's what I I'm saying.
0: Top, top right. to bottom. I'm not no. obviously. I mean, hey, after what no. they
1: did to the Chiefs in the second half of last week, that's not crazy. That's not a crazy take at all. Yeah,
0: that's not, in that's any not case, so you've convinced me of that, which alters my score prediction, but it does not alter my winner. And my winner is the LA Rams. Only for the storybook ending. And I initially had it, As a touchdown, 31-24. Now I'm going to give the Bengals a chance to kind of get back into it. I'll say 31-27 for the odds maker's nightmares because it's Rams minus four right now. Um, and, And I really do believe that this is the time in which Matthew Stafford can deliver on the promise of the fan base that he was brought in to do his job. And like he's gotten to this point. He beat so many good quarterbacks to get to this point. Kyler Murray. Tom Brady, okay. like thinking about it, like and and Jimmy, Jimmy Jimmy's, Jimmy's, Jimmy's
1: okay, yeah. Obviously, <laughs>
0: the jury's out on that, but yeah. My my point being, there's a reason for storybooks to come to an end, and what better place to do it than in Hollywood, right. in your own backyard, in your first season? Just I wonder like if Clayton would Kershaw will be originally.
1: there to see his buddy.
0: Like I'm, I'm just thinking about how great this would be for sports, yeah. and how great it would be for Stafford, like Elijah's mentioned. So. That's and don't get me wrong like I could definitely see the Bengals winning this football game if the Bengals win
1: if the Bengals win I almost think it's a better story because there's something so cool about like having an underdog go into the opposing team's house and just like ripping it from them but at the same time like after everything Stafford's been through with the Lions it's like bro I I gotta I can't I can't not root for him And and I don't think like and I do think that because of the Rams line like I said the defensive line like, uh, that's what I think gives them the edge in this game. But, like, you know, like, the story is special either way.
0: Yeah. I mean, regardless, we've got two teams that are on the rides of their lives at this point, And it culminates. To, it's kind of like when you watch March Madness and you think about how the journey ends here. Like, they, they kind of throw that, that, that phrase out there. Like, the journey ends here for both these teams. And we get to start anew after Super Bowl 56. But just thinking about how both of these teams have come to this point especially the Bengals, like you mentioned. It's just, it's just amazing. So I'm, I'm looking forward to a competitive game. Both of you, based off of your score predictions, are looking forward to a competitive game as well.
1: Noah, what was your score?
0: Kalen predicted 27-24.
1: Oh, okay, I got you. I got
0: you. 27-24 Bengals. Yeah. yeah. And you predicted 32-26. I predicted
1: 31-27. So, okay, I didn't get your score. Okay, there we go. Yeah, yeah, 30- thirty-one
0: twenty-seven. 31-27. 31-27. Got it. Grams. Yes, got it. I'm, I'm throwing it out there. Okay. So before we, before we go, I mentioned to you guys the last time we did this right. together that I wanted you to pick the opening song of the Super Bowl halftime show. Now, granted, I knew Kalen hated The weekend. That's, you know, it's out there. But I didn't realize that, Elijah, you didn't keep up with, with The weekend as much. But now we've got an ensemble cast for the Super Bowl halftime show. Kendrick Lamar, Dr. Dre, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, Snoop Dogg. So I'm going to throw this question out to both of you again, and let's see if we can get a better answer here because we've got more options now on the table. What is going to be the first song that is played coming out of the halftime break? Elijah, start with you.
1: Uh, I'm thinking, uh, I think we're going to get the Still Dre instrumental to start it. Okay.
2: All right. Kalen? Man, I think we're going to get backseat freestyle from Denver. That's oh, you think Kendrickson opened the show? Yeah, I think that would be okay. A, that, would be a, that would be dope. Right. That would be. Awesome. See, I'm, I also
1: think that there are going to be some political messages that are going to piss a lot
0: right. of people off, and I am hyped for it. Yeah. Maybe I. I'm going to say next episode, just because I feel like it's a super hype song. We already oh, had we already have two of the guys up there, um, and and, and Snoop Dogg. Um, I think the one thing for me that will be super disappointing about the super bowl halftime show if this doesn't happen which it's got to happen is if ice cube is not included as part of the guest <laughs> right, list like right, right. right? like that's got to happen we'll probably pop it. that's He's, a good that's a good guess, man. That's weird. i mean they're not going to do you know at the police but <laughs> right,
1: right, right, right. That, that'd be
0: cool but i would hope that they would do some sort of nwa i'm interview.
1: hoping for um i mean i don't know if they'll ever be able to beat J Lo and Shakira pole dancing for everyone. <laughs> that was cool. That's from like, TV, that, Yeah, I, I feel like people don't realize how lucky we were to get that halftime show. But this will be really cool. This will be really fun. I'm excited for it. It will be. And I also I made a friend at NFL Honors who's dancing in the show. So uh, that's going to be uh, definitely going to keep an eye out for Lyric. I can't pronounce her last name, but you know, gonna yeah. keep keep an eye out for for sure. Yeah,
0: Lyric. We'll, t- we'll tag her in the link to this. Um, one thing. No, one, we won't. One more thing before we go. And this is a rabbit hole story that you don't know about, but I want to tell it to you, Kaylee. So when Elijah and I were in sleepaway camp, our 10th grade year, we were in a, a se- section of camp called Task, teenage mm-hmm. service camp. And on the last night of camp, we had a talent show. And Elijah, because he's so talented in music, oh, no, theory, decided to perform Eminem's Lose Yourself. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember, <laughs> did, you, did you win or no?
1: I don't think I don't think it was a I don't think it was a contest because it's camp, so I think we were just doing it. Also, I don't think it was the last night. I think it was definitely like the last night
0: in the amphitheater. It,
1: it, it wasn't the last night. I promise it wasn't. Right. The
0: last I'm night. convinced of
1: it. No, you're you're confusing two talent shows from different years. Wow, but I pro- but yes, I did do "Lose Yourself" by Eminem, and I ruled. Uh, but yeah, that's oh, it was good. a very it was a very 14 year old Elijah thing to do. But uh, yeah, that was a. That, that, that is true. I do hope we hear uh, that song or something. We're, we're going to hear that song. Yeah, we will. I, I,
0: yeah. I was watching um, MJ Acosta Ruiz from uh, NFL Network interview the executive producer. I forget his name, but the executive producer of the Super Bowl halftime show. And she said, what can we expect? I know you can't tell us a whole lot. And he said, whatever record that anybody has, it's, it's going to happen. So I would, I would think yeah. Lose Yourself is Eminem's most mainstream record.
1: As long as it's not, um, I mean, I, I don't expect to hear the real Slim Shady per se. So you know,
0: I would be, I, I, I don't know. I feel like Lose Yourself would be a good
1: bet. I don't know. A solid, bet. It a solid
0: bet. in any case, Super Bowl Fifty Six, we're finally here. The conclusion of the biggest season ever in the NFL. Twenty Twenty One season's over. Um, you can watch that on NBC at six thirty Eastern, three thirty Pacific. Um, that's when kickoff is, or it's when it's supposed to be. And uh, yeah, Super Bowl halftime show is going to be great. And the game should be great too. Um, follow Kalen on Twitter at Kalen Jones. K-A-E-L-E-N Jones. Um, I just
1: followed him with my, uh, with my other account. So that's good. Oh,
0: good. Yes. Elijah has a sports network, Easy Sports Network, um, where he produces a lot of amazing content, including my favorite show that you have. It's called What Just Happened. Um, basically, just a conclusion of all the... And, and you basically you started your six episodes in
1: right yeah i'm six episodes in i have a new show not so bad which is very similar it's a show about things that aren't so bad i have a new episode it's five minutes go check it out uh and uh yeah no i have a, I I have a channel and i have good content she's not sir. very good at promoting it yet but we're we're getting there
0: yeah it'll it'll come with due time but it'll follow Azure on twitter easy sports network at easelompy as well You can follow me on Twitter at Noah Friedman underscore. I don't know why you would, but you should. Um, And get our podcast on Spotify and Google and Apple and all the other podcasts that are out there because Anchor streams them all out. So in any case, thanks to Kalen for joining us. And uh, enjoy the game tomorrow because it's going to be great.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shalom, (laughs) y'all.